0: Book Two, Chapter Five of The Adventures of Gil Blas of Santillane, by Alain René Lesage, translated by Tobias Smollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Five, sequel of the foregoing adventure: Gil Blas retires from practice, and from the neighbourhood of Valladolid after having thus carried fabrizio's plan into effect we took our leave of camilla's lodging hugging ourselves on a success beyond our expectation for we had only reckoned on the ring we carried off without ceremony all we could get besides far from making it a point of conscience not to steal from a description of ladies whose names are commonly associated with rogues we thought to cover some scores of other sins by so meritorious an action gentlemen said fabrizio when we were in the street my counsel is for returning to our tavern and devoting the night to a regale to-morrow we will sell the candlestick the necklace the drop earrings and then share the prize-money like brother adventurers after which every man shall tramp home again and make the best excuse he can to his master his worship the alguazil's idea seemed equally bright and judicious we returned rank and file to the tavern some in the pious hope of finding a plausible excuse for having slept abroad others in a desperate indifference about being turned out of doors without a character we ordered a good supper to be got ready and sat down to table with our physical and mental powers in full vigour the relish was heightened by a thousand pleasant anecdotes Fabrizio, of all men in the world having the happy knack of a chairman in a company of jovial spirits kept the table in a roar there escaped from him i know not how many charges of true castilian wit worth more either in the schools of philosophy or the exchange of commerce than the drug of attic salt while we were in a full peal of laughter we were made to laugh on the other side of our mouths by an unforeseen occurrence there appeared at table a man of no contemptible prowess followed by two other as ill-looking dogs as ever existed after this specimen we had three others and reckoned up to a dozen marching in by triplets they were armed with carbines swords and bayonets we could not mistake their office and were at no loss to guess their business at first we had a mind to be refractory but they beset us in an instant and kept us under as much by their numbers as by their weapons gentlemen said the captain commandant in a jeering strain i have been informed by what ingenious artifice you have recovered a ring from the custody of a lady no better than she should be undoubtedly the device was admirable and well deserves a civic crown the patriotism of our police will not be found wanting justice with her lodgings to let for gentry of your description will not be deficient in her acknowledgments for so brilliant a display of genius the company to whom this introductory address was directed looked a little sheepish on the occasion our countenances fell and camilla had her full revenge Fabrizio, however though pale and puzzled made an attempt at a defence sir said he we did it in the innocence of our hearts and of course we shall be forgiven this not immoral fraud what the devil replied the commandant in a rage do you call this a not immoral fraud moral or immoral it may bring you to the gallows besides that the power of restitution is too sacred to be assumed by the individual you have made away with a candlestick a necklace and a pair of drop earrings and what is worse you have committed your rascalities in the livery of the law scoundrels dressing themselves up like the pillars of morality to undermine its very foundation i shall wish you much joy if you are condemned to nothing worse than mowing the salt marsh when he had impressed it on our convictions that the affair was even more serious than our first fears we threw ourselves on his mercy and implored him to have pity on our tender years but his stubborn heart was relentless he rejected moreover the proposal of relinquishing the necklace earrings and candlestick nay he was deaf to the rhetoric of my ring perhaps because i offered it before too many witnesses in short he was the most obdurate dog of his kennel he ordered my companions to be handcuffed and sent us in a body to the public prison as we were on our way one of the marshalmen acquainted me that camilla's old vixen suspecting us not to be licensed scouts of justice had dogged us to the tavern and having satisfied her doubts in revenge informed against us to the patrol we were searched in the first instance away went the necklace, the earrings and the candlestick they picked my pocket of my ring and my ruby of the philippine isles without even sparing the few fees i had received in the forenoon for my prescriptions so that it was plain trade was carried on by the same firm at valladolid as at astorga and that all these reformers held the same creed while they rifled me of my trinkets and money the lord-in-waiting of the patrol made known our adventure to the inferior agents of legal rapine the trespass appeared so audacious that the majority voted it capital a few kind souls were of opinion that we might come off for two hundred lashes apiece with a few years on board the galleys waiting his worship's sentence we were locked up in a cell where we lay upon straw spread over our stable like a litter for horses there might we have foddered for an age and at last have been turned out to grass in the galleys if on the morrow signor manuel ordenaz had not got wind of our affair and determined to release fabrizio which he could not do without making a general gaol delivery he was a man of the first credit in the town his interest was exerted for us and partly by his own influence and partly by that of his friends he obtained our enlargement at the end of three days but the period of delivery is always moulting time with jail-birds the candlestick the necklace the earrings my ring and the ruby all was left behind one could not help repeating those excellent lines of virgil beginning with sic wos non wobus as soon as we were at liberty we returned to our masters dr Sangrado received me kindly my poor gil bias said he it was but this morning i was acquainted with thy misfortune i was just setting about an active canvas for thee we must derive comfort from adversity my friend and attach ourselves more than ever to the practice of physic i affirmed that to be my intention and in truth i laid about me far from wanting employment it happened by a kind of providence as my master had foretold to be a very sickly season the small-pox and a malignant fever took alternate possession of the town and the suburbs all the physicians in valladolid have their share of business and we not the least we saw eight or ten patients a day so that the kettle was kept on the simmer and the blood in the action of transpiring but things will happen cross they died to a man either by our fault or their own if their case was hopeless we were not to blame and if it was not hopeless they were three visits to a patient was the length of our tether about the second we sometimes ran foul of the undertaker or when we had been more fortunate than usual the patient had got no further than the point of death as i was but a young physician not yet hardened to the trade of an assassin i grieved over the melancholy issue of my own theory and practice sir said i one evening to dr sangrado i call heaven to witness on the spot that i have never strayed from your infallible method and yet i have never saved a patient one would think they died out of spite and were on the other side of the great medical question this very day i came across two of them going into the country to be buried my good lad replied he my experience nearly comes to the same point it is but seldom i have the pleasure of curing my kind and partial friends if i had less confidence in my principles i should think my prescriptions had set their faces against the work they were intended to perform if you will take a hint sir replied i we had better vary our system let us give by way of experiment chemical preparations to our patients the worst they can do is to tread in the steps of our pure dilutions and our Phlebotomizing evacuations i would willingly give it a trial rejoined he if it were a matter of indifference but i have published on the practice of bleeding and the use of drenches would you have me cut the throat of my own fame as an author oh you are in the right resumed i our enemies must not gain this triumph over us they would say that you were out of conceit with your own systems and would ruin your reputation for consistency perish the people perish rather our nobility and clergy but let us go on in the old path after all our brethren of the faculty with all their tenderness about bleeding have no patent for longevity any more than ourselves and we may set off their drugs against our specifics we went on working double tides and did so much execution that in less than six weeks we made as many widows and orphans as the siege of troy the plague must have got into valladolid by the number of funerals day after day came some father or other to know what was become of his son who was last seen in our hands or else a stupid fellow of an uncle who had a foolish hankering after a deceased nephew with respect to the nephews and sons on whose uncles and fathers we had equalized our system of destruction they thought that least said was soonest mended husbands were altogether on their good behaviour they would not split a hair about the loss of a wife or two the real sufferers to whose reproaches we were exposed were sometimes quite savage in their grief without being mealy-mouthed in their expressions they called us blockheads and assassins i was concerned at their bad language but my master who was up to every circumstance listened to their abuse with the utmost indifference yet i might have grown as callous as himself to popular reproach if heaven interposing its shield between the invalids of valladolid and one of their scourges had not providentially raised up an incident to disgust me with medicine which from the outset had been disgusted with me the idle fellows about town assembled every day in our neighbourhood for a game at tennis among the number was one of those professed bullies who set up for great dons and are the complete cocks of the tennis-court he was a biscayan and assumed the title of don roderick de mondragon his age might be about thirty his size was somewhat above the common but he was lean and bony besides two sparkling little eyes rolling about in his head and throwing out defiance against all bystanders a very broad nose came in between a pair of red whiskers which turned up like a hook as high as the temples his phraseology was so rough and uncouth that the very sound of his voice would throw a quiet man into an ague this tyrant over both the rackets and the game was lord paramount in all disputes between the players and there was no appeal from his decisions but at the risk of receiving a challenge the next day precisely as i have drawn signor don roderick whom the don in the foreground of his titles could never make a gentleman signor don roderick was sweet upon the mistress of the tennis court she was a woman of forty in good circumstances as charming as forty can well be just entering on the second year of her widowhood i know not how he made himself agreeable certainly not by his exterior recommendations but probably by that within which passeth show however that might be she took a fancy to him and began to turn her thoughts towards the holy state of matrimony but while that great event was in agitation for the punishment of her sins, she was taken with a malignant fever and with me for a physician had the disorder been ever so slight my practice would have made a serious job of it at the expiration of four days there was not a dry eye in the tennis-court the mistress joined the outward-bound colony of my patients and her family administered to her effects don roderick distracted at the loss of his mistress or rather disappointed of a good establishment was not satisfied with fretting and fuming at me but swore he would run me through the body or even frown me into a nonentity a good-natured neighbour apprised me of this vow with a caution to keep it home for fear of coming across this devil of a fellow this warning though taken in good part was a source of anxiety and apprehension i was eternally fancying the enraged biscayan laying siege to the outworks of my citadel there was no getting a moment's respite from alarm. This circumstance weaned me from the practice of medicine, and I thought of nothing but deliverance from my horrors. On went my embroidered suit once more. Taking leave of my master, who did all he could to detain me, I got out of town with the dawn, not heedless of that terrible Don Roderick, who might waylay me on the road. End of book two, chapter five.